are back. You are back. It's good to go. So let's talk employment law. John Scholes here. Lior Samfiru. Samfiru to Mark and LLP. Always in attendance on a Tuesday. And set to go. The main topic in just a bit will be important things about employment law that every employee must know. We'll, uh, we'll work our way down that list. Beyond that, reaching Lior and his team. Uh, I'll give you the email address first. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, is free and easy for you to use. You'll have access to the old severance calculator, which millions of Canadians across this country have benefited from. And beyond that, always the phone number to reach out to, to Lior and the team, one 821 5900 But let's, uh, let's get it on, as Big John McCarthy used to say in the, in the, in the octagon. But first, we get to the, uh, the case of the day. Pal, what do you got going on? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here, of course, to talk about employment law and to hopefully make you feel better if today wasn't your day. If today Mm. didn't go the way you wanted it to and maybe your employer uh, threw some curveball at you and you don't know how to respond and what to say and what to do, what's legal and what's not. Well, a good place to get all those answers and much more. Maybe you've always wondered about your workplace rights. Maybe you recently lost your job. A lot of people have been losing their job recently. A lot of turmoil out in the job market. So if you're one of those people whose job has been affected, you need to know what you're owed because chances are, we'll talk about this more later, but chances are that whatever it is that your employer said to you that you're owed is wrong. You're owed more. So if you have a question about employment law, workplace rights, your job, your job security, good place to start right now. And the place to continue the conversation beyond the show, of course, is in my office. You can reach out to me by phone or email so we can have that private chat. But right now, case of the day. Uh, I spoke with a gentleman earlier today who, just like I mentioned, because of some of the turmoil in the job market, was let go after seven years of working for this uh, company. And he was in a, an outside sales role, uh, worked for them you know, regular full-time, made a very nice income for himself. And they let him go and they said, it's not you, it's it's a restructuring, we're going to go a different route. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, the company was truthful, they weren't lying. So, of course, my next question for him was, okay, well, tell me about the severance that they offered you. I said, well, no, they didn't offer me any severance because they said I was an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was exactly my reaction, kind of a, a bit of a giggle there because this guy, seven years, worked for the same company He's not an independent contractor. You can't work seven years for a company, full-time hours, regular hours, and be an independent contractor. Now, they called him an independent contractor. They said on paper that he was. They paid him like he was an independent contractor. They didn't withhold taxes from his pay. But all that means is that they were doing it illegally. He was an employee. If he looks like an employee and if he acts like an employee, he is an employee. And why is that important? Well, it's important because... After seven years of employment, and again, I said employment, he is owed probably nine, maybe ten months of severance. So we go from not getting anything, zero, if he truly was an independent contractor, to getting as much as ten months severance. So he's not an independent contractor. I'm going to help him get that severance. It's not going to be complicated, but what an important reminder for all our listeners out there. If you think you're an independent contractor or if the company that you work for says that you're an independent contractor, chances are that's wrong. This idea of being misclassified is extremely common. Happens all the time. 
The law is the only one that can decide if you're an independent contractor or an employee. You don't decide. Company doesn't decide. So if you have a regular job, you are an employee. You're owed severance. You're owed vacation pay. You're owed overtime pay, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. If you're not sure what you are, give me a call and I'll tell you. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's the website you want to go to. Also has that information available to you for uh, for absolutely no charge. So that's a... Uh, that's a good thing as well. Let's get into this uh, off the top, Al, before we take a, a short break. Important things about every uh, about employment law, rather that every employee needs to know. First one is the law can't physically stop your employer from doing something, right? This is important to know because oftentimes people call me and say, well, my employer is doing something wrong or illegal. They're uh, withholding my pay improperly. They're uh, lying to me. They're withholding information from me. And all those things are, are wrong and things that the the law says the employer should not do. But when it comes to employment law, the, the law, the courts, the tribunals really can't physically make the employer do anything. They can't require them to do anything. They can simply compensate the employee that has been wronged with money, with payment. So the law can make the employer pay you money, but it can't change the company's behavior. It can't stop them from doing something, even if that something is illegal. That's why you hear me on the show talk about severance so often, because that's how the law compensates you. Compensates you by way of severance. That's the money that you're going to get paid if the company does something wrong. So can we stop the company from doing something? No, we can't. There's no law that, that sends a police officer to the company and says, you now must stop doing what you're doing. The law can simply compensate you by way of payment. Good start. We'll take a short break and right back into that list. Employment Law Show continues. Hang on. Back at it. Important things about employment law that every employee must know. Number two, if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. We've been echoing this for years, my friend, and it's no different. It's absolutely true. You know, I'll I'll give you an example right now. I had a gentleman that I spoke with today where the company that he had worked for uh, made him a, an offer uh, for, for a new role. And he negotiated with them for uh, on terms for the that offer. They couldn't reach an agreement, and he eventually didn't sign it. And ultimately, the company said that he resigned. Well, the problem was here is that he went through a process of negotiating, but it was all verbal. On paper, what it looked like is that the company made an offer, and a few days later, he said, no, I, I, I don't want it. Hmm. There was no record of all this back and forth. There was no emails. You know, he, he didn't go back to them in emails. There was no uh, trail there. So now it becomes a he said, she said. Was there a negotiation? Was there not? It's very important to always have something in writing. If your boss says something to you, you want to have a record of it. Send someone an email confirming what happened. Uh, if something happened in the workplace, write it down. You never want it to be a he said, she said type of a situation. When it comes to employment law and proving your right, the written word, the written document always, always wins the day. Always wins the day. So if it's not in writing, my rule is it doesn't exist. So yeah. if it's easy to create something in writing. Always, always put it in writing if you want to preserve your employment law rights. Another one is this. There's no such thing as job security. People, uh, people talk about that term all the time, right? So what I mean by that when it comes to job security, it's easy to think that if you do a good job and you know you, you do what your employer tells you, you work hard, then your job is secure. You'll work there uh, until you decide to, to resign and retire. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You don't have job security in the sense that in a non-union environment, a company can let you go, no reason, good reason, 
at any time as long as they pay you severance. So there really isn't such a thing as job security. If if the if you've been there for 30 years and someone else has been there for six months, the company can choose to let you go and not let the new employee go. Again, as long as they pay you severance, they can do that. So we have to understand that because on the show we often talk, as I said, about severance. Well, it's because of this idea that severance is what the employer is obligated to do, not necessarily to keep your job. What does happen very often is that the severance that the company offers is not adequate. So that 30-year employee that I talked about, if that company lets the that person go, they'll owe him two years severance. They may only offer him six months. Wrong. They owe him two years. So you always have to keep that in mind. But really, there isn't such a thing as job security in a non-union environment. Important things about employment law that every employee must know. It doesn't matter who you are or what company you work for. It's likely that your severance offer is terrible. That's good for about 99% of them, huh? That's it. So, you know, I don't know that we can be any clearer than that. Doesn't matter who you are, how long you work, what kind of a job. Doesn't matter what company you work for, big, small, smart or not smart. Chances are that the severance offer that was given to you, that severance letter, that offer is inadequate it's not even close that's true for almost everyone and there's many reasons why that's the case but you have to always understand and believe that it's easy for a comp- for, for an individual to think well this company that just let me go they're a smart company they're a big company they have a whole hr department so if they tell me i'm out six months they know i'm they know it so that's fine i'll accept it because the company knows Wrong, wrong, mm. wrong. Remember what I said. Doesn't matter who you are, who the company is, that offer is inadequate. So that six month offer probably should be 12 months or 24 months or, or something completely different. So you have to remember that you can't accept it and then realize you made a mistake because at that point it's too late. There's no going back once you sign it. And, uh, we've mentioned the severance calculator already. You can find out in seconds if what I'm saying is right or not. Just go to the severance calculator. You can find it, of course, at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. First thing you'll see is the severance calculator. And enter your information. It's anonymous. It's free. And you'll find out that what I'm saying is correct. Even if you haven't lost your job, but you're just curious. You're just wondering, hey, maybe next month they will let me go. What would I be owed? Well, arm yourself with that information, but the the rule is this. If you're staring at the severance offer right now, that offer is inadequate. Well, I mean, you have the severance calculator and pocket employment lawyer for sure for several years, but I mean, that was the, that was the reason why over 10 years ago now, the basic reason why you put the show together. Our first show was, you know, once a week when we started doing this, you know, now we're across the country, but... It's it's widespread. You're thinking, man, this is this is terrible. I got to get this information out there on radio because people just don't know. They're losing hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? You know what? I, I was practicing law for many years before we started doing the show, and and what I kept seeing day in and day out is individuals accepting inadequate severance mm. on mass. You know, you'd see a company letting go of thirty employees, and twenty eight of them would accept that inadequate severance because they didn't know any better. So each one of these people was walking away from tens of thousands of dollars potentially that they were legally owed. And that was the the reason behind doing this show. And, and you know, since we started doing this show, we've reduced that number. So instead of 28 out of 30, I think we're down to maybe 20 or 22 out of 30. Yeah. And I want to keep making that number even lower. So if you lost your job, again, remember the rule. That severance offer is inadequate. A good place to start is call me or, as I said, go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. 
Again, guys, 416-870-6400, the number to get on air, ask your questions. In the meantime, we're talking about important things you must know about employment law. And this one, we actually did a recent TV episode on this entire topic, and that is only you, only you can decide if you resign, right? Exactly. This idea of resignation, the idea of can you be forced or told to resign. So no, by definition, a resignation is something that only you, the individual, the employee can do. Your employer cannot tell you to resign, force you to resign, threaten you into resigning. No. By definition, a resignation is something that the employee does on their own voluntarily. So if your employer tells you you have to resign, guess what? They've just terminated your employment because they've decided you don't work there anymore. So why would you give them the gift of saying, I'm resigning, and then avoid getting severance? The, The idea of the employer telling you you should resign or you have to resign is, the company's trying to avoid paying you months and months of severance. Why would you do that? It's the, the appropriate answer if the company says you have to resign is no, no thanks, I'm not resigning. I'm going to continue working until you tell me that uh, I'm no longer allowed to work here. And at that point, company has to pay you severance. So if you're ever put in that position, given that ultimatum, remember that you cannot be forced to resign. If you feel like you don't have a choice, call me and we'll talk through it. But by definition, a resignation cannot be forced. Well, you know, like I mentioned the TV show that we did earlier this week, Lior, and the same question keeps coming up. It's like, yeah, Lior, doesn't it look better? Doesn't it, doesn't it sound better? Doesn't it look better on my record if, I'm, if, I, if I resign rather than being fired? I hate that word fired. It's going to leave a permanent, uh, a permanent blemish on my record. Yeah, exactly. And people often uh, ask me that. And, you know, we start with the idea that, First of all, there's no record, right? There's no spreadsheet that's being kept in a, in a vault uh, somewhere that shows why someone no longer works for a company. There isn't. And in fact, the vast majority of people that leave a company do that because the company chose to go a different way, uh, you know, chose to let them go for different reasons. So there's nothing wrong with saying that the, we parted ways. It's absolutely fine. So no, it's not being held against you. Uh, it's not on your permanent record. The only thing that happens if you resign when you don't want to resign is you're going to make it much more difficult to get severance, which could be two years pay. You're going to make it much more difficult to get EI, which is potentially for a year. So don't do that. Don't walk away from the legal rights that you have. Let's talk about it before you do anything like that. Again, number here now live, 416-870-6400. Something else you've got to remember is your doctor has a lot of power and authority when it comes to you being at work and off work as well. Yeah, I don't think uh, everyone understands just how powerful your doctor is, how the doctor's word really means everything when it comes to being able to be off work, for how long you're going to be off work, whether you need accommodation and support from your employer. The doctor is the judge and the jury. So when it comes to your your medical condition, always get that doctor's note. Once you have that doctor's note saying you need to be off work, company really can't do anything about that. They can't say no. They can't legally question you. They can't demand a second opinion. They have to do what your doctor says. Same thing with accommodation. So maybe you have a medical condition or an injury and you need accommodation. You need modified duties or modified hours. Get that doctor's note. If that doctor says this person needs modified duties, well, now the company has to find a way to make it happen. They have that obligation to accommodate. So it's not enough for you, the individual, to go to the company and and say, I need accommodation. That's a good start, but it's not enough. 
You need that doctor's note to say it. Once you have that doctor's note, there really is no discretion for the company. So if you th- if you find that you get that doctor's note and the company is still giving you a hard time, no. Give me a call. I'll set the company straight because there's really no way to question the doctor. That doctor holds the cards. is very powerful when it comes to your rights in the workplace. Something else you should really be aware of at all times when it comes to your employment law rights. If you accept a change in terms of your employment, happens all the time, especially in the current environment, as you said, Lior, then bad things can really happen. Future looking forward, right? Absolutely. So and let's start with the idea, of course, that an employer doesn't have a right to just change the terms of your employment. They can't just change your shifts, your hours, your responsibilities, your pay. They don't have a right to do that. Your company can't just reduce your pay any more than you can decide to increase your pay. You can't because you have an agreement with the company. I'm going to come into work and you're going to pay me this much. You can't just decide you're going to take more money. Well, they can't decide to take money away from you. So if a company does that, you may be able to treat that as a constructive dismissal, get your severance and and move on. But the problem, as John said, is what happens if you accept what the company did? Yeah, they're not allowed to do it, but I accepted it. I didn't want to rock the boat. I just kind of put my head down and continued working. Well, I know that you think you're doing a good thing, and it is admirable, but bad things happen. What I mean by that is by accepting what the company did, you've given them the right to do it again and again and again. So they reduced your pay. You put your fo- your head down like the good soldier and continued working. Well, now you've given them the right to reduce it more and more and more. Before too long, there may not be much left there. So that's the problem with just accepting what the company is doing. You may be better off if once the company started pushing that door open to say, no, I'm not accepting that. I'm going to treat that as a termination and get severance. Of course, and this is important. Don't just do that without talking to me. I don't want anyone leaving, quitting, saying constructive dismissal before talking to me. Because not everything that the company does is constructive dismissal. So we need to discuss this, make sure we're we're doing it correctly. But as John said, and as I said, bad things can happen if you just accept changes to terms of employment. You know, we, and we often say, you know, maybe not with a, a, a you know, a decrease in pay because that's, that's, that's a pretty good slap in the face. But, I mean, maybe they've, you know, changed your hours a bit or moved location a little bit. And maybe it might not be that upsetting. Maybe it will be. You don't know. You're allowed to try it out for a little bit in writing to see if it fits for your, your lifestyle without having uh, the repercussions of being permanent, right? Absolutely. And, and a good example is the change in shift. You know, maybe yeah. you used to work a certain shift and they said from now on you're working a different shift. Well, again, company doesn't have a right to just do that. But you say, well, you know, ultimately I like this job, so I'd like to try it out and see how that works before I say, no, I'm out of here, which makes sense. So, yes, you can try it out, and the best way to do that is to email your employer or to text them, again, in writing, right? If it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. Uh, and tell your employer in writing that, you know, I have concerns about this new shift, but I'm, I'm willing to try it for the next few weeks and then see how that goes. Yeah. Put that in writing. That's all you need to say, that one line. And then try it for the next two, three, even four weeks and see how it goes. If you're happy with it, fine, we move on. If you're not, you can still say at that point constructive dismissal. But make sure you send that email in writing to let your employer know that you're not just accepting what they did. You're just trying it out for a period of time. I want to get a quick call in here with the remaining time. Hey, John, thanks for taking the time, pal. How are you tonight? I am doing okay. Yourself? Good, sir. What's on your mind? So I work for an employer that uh, over the past uh, year, uh, there was a number of price increases, including uh, 
what they were mentioning was a uh, kind of a transportation surcharge. And uh, originally it was presented to our customers and as well as us as a temporary increase in price. But now we've been told that the surcharge is going to be implemented as a permanent increase in price to our customers. But instead of retracting that from the price of our goods, they're going to be actually deducting that surcharge from our overall commissions. I'm just wondering how how that how that works, and uh, and you know, kind of you know, it just so, really doesn't make a whole lot of sense of how I can have. John, it realistically, how much is this going to impact your compensation? Give me an idea. You know, over a year, is it five hundred dollar effect or is it five fifty thousand dollar? Give me a sense. Uh, for, per, per, personally, it'll probably impact me about uh, about uh, six or seven thousand. So kind of the, the, the threshold before it becomes kind of actionable is, you know, in that 12 to, to 15% range. So if, if it impacts you by, by 12% or more, it could be something, it's a constructive dismissal or kind of illegal. If it's less than 12%, not going to make you happy, but arguably something the company can get away with. So what you can do is do what I said before is tell your employer, I have, I have a big concern about this. I want to see how this impacts me at the end of the year and then see at the end of the year what kind of impact it had. If it had a significant impact, you could still say at that point, that's a constructive dismissal. So I think sending that email and kind of putting them on notice that you have concerns is going to be helpful and it's going to leave the door open for you to do something about it once you have a good sense as to how it's going to impact you. Now, it just seems interesting that they're going to be doing that after, like they're going to take it off of our gross pay instead of just reducing our overall commissions. It's kind of the, you know, on a taxable level where it seems kind of convoluted and complicated to me. Yeah, ultimately it comes down to how it impacts you financially and kind of to buy yourself time to know more is the best way to go about it. And and if it turns out to be a, a substantial change, reach out to me and we can talk about how we could pursue that potentially. Okay, I appreciate that. Thank you, John. Appreciate the call. That's a good way to pretty much wrap her up for tonight. And again, you'll want to carry on that conversation, John. You as well, if you've been listening, you want to call the aura outside the half hour of the show each week, every day. You can do so. That is 1 855 821 5900. How about that? Help at employmentlawyer.ca. There's your email. And always that free and anonymous website for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Back in here tomorrow night, 6 30. Another edition of the Employment Law Show is on the way. Enjoy your evening.